Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 7 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, October 6th, 2022. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Stephen Eisenbeis will likely serve a second term as Sitka's mayor. While the election results aren't final, with around two-thirds of votes tallied, Eisenbeis has a significant lead over former Assemblymember and Mayor Valerie Nelson and Assemblymember Kevin Mosier. Eisenbeis spoke with KCAW's Catherine Rose on Wednesday. Well, the results came in on Tuesday night, and by a pretty good margin, I think it's safe to say you're you're likely looking at two more years as Sitka's mayor. So how do you feel about that? I'm, I'm super excited to get back to work. Um, I'm also super excited to see a large um, a large margin there because that's a that's a large vote in favor of not only myself um, but the current assembly and the the current uh, city administration as well. It's a it's a vote of confidence for all of those in moving forward in the, the same direction, uh, which which gives me relief because I know that a a large percentage of the population supports that direction, and so it gives us confidence to keep moving forward. You mentioned in our forum back in September that you'd heard from a number of, of Sitka voters who said they weren't sure who to vote for for mayor because they wanted both you and Kevin Mosher, Assemblymember Kevin Mosher, who was also running, to remain on the Assembly. It sounds like those constituents are going to get what they wanted because... Kevin Mosher has two more years left in his term. Yes, correct. And we've already talked. Um, we've already started formulating ways to work together for the better of the community. Um, and I'm, I'm actually excited for um, our, our strengths going forward because we each have a, a distinct uh, skill set. And I think we're each going to be able to utilize them to the best of our abilities in the next couple of years. You know, and the assembly also is going to be contending with a very clear directive from voters on these ballot propositions, um, 80% on Prop 2 to, to build a haul out at the Gary Paxton Industrial Park. Uh, that's a pretty sizable margin. So I'd imagine that uh, Prop 2 will be one of your biggest projects over your next two years as mayor. Yes, if uh, if we're unable to make any forward progress on the haul out, I think I will be run out of town. Um mm-hmm. So I, I very clearly see uh, the the voters' intent there, and and we will be charging forward. Uh, I'm most excited to use uh, this eight million dollars as kind of leverage to get other monies involved as well. Um, I do know of some other sources out there that were watching this election closely, um, and hopefully they see now that we have a large skin in the game that they're. Um, you know, that outside investment is going to want to jump in on this project as well. So um, I think right now we're in the, in the infancy stages, and this, uh, this $8 million I think, is only the beginning. Prop 2 was obviously a huge issue to many Sitka voters. Is there anything else weighing heavily on your mind as you gear up for these next two years? What else are you going to want to focus in on? Uh, the, the one personally, and I don't have any, any answers for it right now, um, it is a little bit closer to home, and I'm more aware of because I do have a child. But I think a lot of our workforce right now in Sitka is out of work uh, due to the lack of child care in town. So if if the assembly can come up with some ways to help out uh, the existing daycares and perhaps get some more online, I think that's going to help incredibly um, with our workforce next summer, especially with 
you know, an, an estimated additional 200,000 people or so coming into town. Um, we got to get our workforce back um, because housing is an issue, so we can't necessarily bring workforce in. Um, but let's let's utilize the people we already have in town here. Anything else you'd like to add or, or say uh, to voters before we sign off here? No, just just humbled and honored. Um, I think that's what what most people say, but this is um, it, it's it's true. It's genuine. I, I appreciate the support from from the municipality, from the town, and uh, I'm I'm going to continue doing my best to make sure that uh, these next couple years were worth your vote. That was incumbent Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis speaking with KCAW's Catherine Rose about municipal election returns. Eisenbeis is set to serve a second term as mayor with 51% of the vote. Absentee ballots will be counted on Friday beginning at noon at Harrigan Centennial Hall. Whether or not Juno residents will be able to learn the sales prices in the local real estate market remains up in the air, as is the future of a new city hall. The results of two ballot measures in Juneau's October 4th municipal election are still too close to call as of the latest count. The city released preliminary results on Tuesday night. They will release more results on Friday and again next Friday as they continue processing ballots leading up to when the Canvas Review Board finalizes the election on October 19th. Three seats on the assembly were uncontested this year. Incumbents Wade Bryson, Greg Smith, and Carol Treem will each serve another three-year term. Two open seats on the school board also went uncontested. Dee Dee Sorensen and Emil Mackey will each serve another three-year term. With no competitive races for the assembly or school board, four ballot measures became the focus of this year's election. The most widely talked about measure, Proposition 4, asked voters whether to repeal measures that mandate the disclosure of real estate sale prices with the city assessor's office. As of Tuesday night, yes votes were ahead by fewer than 30 votes. Proposition 1 asked voters to authorize the city to borrow up to $35 million to help pay for a new city hall. No votes led by fewer than 40 votes. Propositions 2 and 3 asked voters to approve funding measures for city parks, and infrastructure improvements. As of Tuesday, both measures appear likely to pass by comfortable margins. Some proposition results could shift as more ballots are processed. Tuesday's preliminary count included more than 4,800 ballots. Wildlife officials in Metlakatla continue to trap record-setting numbers of the invasive crab species that threaten local subsistence food sources and fish habitat. As KRBD's Reagan Miller reports, the tribe's Department of Fish and Wildlife has trapped hundreds of European green crabs, but the numbers keep growing. Months after the first green crab shell was found on the beach in Metlakatla, the community is still trying to figure out how to handle the arrival of a species that officials call one of the most invasive around. They're known to destroy fish habitat, eat other shellfish, and compete for vital resources. Dustin Winter directs the tribe's Department of Fish and Wildlife. He says his department is doing all it can to keep up as the numbers soar. And as of now, that means trapping as much as possible. I mean, right now we're just trying to do it um, internally as much as we can. Um, It's definitely increased the workload for the department. But right now there isn't any real long-term plans as far as uh, moving forward other than what we're doing. I mean, we're going to try to keep those traps in the water um, in Tamgus Harbor and in other locations as we monitor those areas too. But... um, Short-term goals is just keep the traps in the water in Tamgus. But so far, that hasn't seemed to put a dent in the population. Officials trapped a record 62 crabs on October 4th. 
That's a record for a single-day haul that broke the standing record of 38, set just the day before. And wildlife monitors found another 55 the day after, according to Metlakatla's mayor. Winter says Tamgus Harbor has turned into a hotspot for the crabs. Well, it's pretty concerning for us. I mean, we we were going from single digits to, you know, we had a, a record of 11 last week and then 13 at the end of the week. And then this week we've got, you know, a one-day catch of 38 and the next day of 62. So um, it's very concerning. Wildlife officials have been setting shrimp pots to catch the crabs. They're real fine mesh. I think they're only like a half-inch mesh. So because um, the juvenile crab that we're catching at the beginning were pretty small, so the shrimp pots are working really well. When they're caught, wildlife officials collect biological information and freeze them. Once the crabs are dead, they're tossed into the compost pile at Metlakatla's community garden. Communities across the Pacific Northwest and the country have struggled to fight the spread of invasive green crabs. Most efforts have focused on trapping as many as possible. Washington Governor Jay Inslee declared an ongoing state of emergency in January because of the crab invasion across the state. Chase Gunnell is a public information officer for Washington's Fish and Wildlife Department. He says the crabs have been around the state for more than 20 years, but they've recently spiked to concerning levels in the Puget Sound and Salish Sea. We, at this point, have removed more than 170,000 European green crabs from Washington waters this year alone. He says trapping is the only technique that Washington has used against the crabs. And our, real, our focus is, is really boots in the mud, getting traps out there, helping to, identi- uh, to coach the public on how to identify European green crabs so they can report them. But our focus is on population control through trapping. But he says he doesn't think wildlife authorities will be able to exterminate the species. We are very concerned about potential impacts on our native species, on aquaculture, and we, do, we want to do everything we can to control this invasive species. At least in Washington, we don't expect that we'll be able to eradicate them, that we know that they're here, um, we're not going to be able to remove all of them from our waters. Further down the coast, wildlife officials are trying to make the crabs an attractive target for fishermen. In Oregon this summer, officials raised the recreational bag limit of the crabs to 35. That's to try and stop crabbers from throwing any green crabs they catch by accident back into the water to avoid fines. There are even a few recipes floating around Oregon's government website. And some have tried even more creative solutions. A distillery in New Hampshire is turning the creatures into crab-flavored whiskey. Officials are asking Alaskans in Metlakatla and elsewhere to keep an eye out for green crabs. European green crabs are the only species in Alaska that has three bumps between its eyes and five spines behind each eye. Winter says that anyone who thinks they've seen a green crab, dead or alive, should contact Metlakatla's Fish and Wildlife Department. Anyone who spots European green crabs outside of Metlakatla is encouraged to call the Invasive Species Hotline at 1-877-INVASIVE. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to or read our